0: This week, we talk about the recent boom in AI and whether or not founders like us can take advantage of this new wave of innovation. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM.
1: I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called LegUp Health. What is up this week, Tyler. Not very much, Rick. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling good. You know, the the startup life has some ups and downs, and I'm I'm definitely riding a like a bunch of big things are about to all get done at the same time, and it's not actually a sign of stuff moving faster. I don't think it's just like coincidentally things lined up, but like I'm I'm really feeling excited about the product and things that are shipping right now.
1: What kind of things are shipping?
0: Um, so one, th- the biggest one for sure is Zapier. I've mentioned this before in the podcast, like how embarrassing it is that we're 13 years in and don't have Zapier integration yet. But uh, over the last week or two, we kind of started inviting beta users to it. Uh, It's going well. We're probably going to be ready for kind of a general release of Zapier before the end of the year. Very cool. Yeah, that'll be a big, I mean, that's that's like, aren't you a little shocked that we have any
1: customers? I mean, I I couldn't (laughs) even consider you guys because of that.
0: Yeah. Um there's other reasons you wouldn't consider us but like there are probably people out there that need Zapier but don't need all the other stuff you need and um I, I know better than to think any one feature is going to like oh you know now we're going to our our conversion rate's going to go up or something like it never works out that well but of any feature we've ever launched I think this has as good of a shot of moving the needle as as anything pretty much. Um, it also has, you know, Zapier does a lot of co-work marketing with you. Like you get listed in their integrations marketplace. They have like an email newsletter. Well, I don't know. I I suspect we'll be able to get mentioned in that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of marketing opportunities with this too, that I'm excited about.
1: That's awesome. Do you have any initial feedback from
0: users? Uh, mostly it seems to be going well, you know, everybody wants like, so there have been a handful of bugs, which we got fixed. That's not a big deal. And then there's like, there's this weird thing with Zapier. It's kind of like building an API, and that there is kind of a quote-unquote interface, but it's not a graphical interface. It's like how the fields are set up. And you've you've used Zapier quite a bit, right? Um, like when you set up a zap, there's all kinds of decisions we can make. So let me give you a specific example. In less knowing CRM, as with pretty much every CRM, you can have an arbitrary number of email addresses for a contact. Let's say, uh, so I could say here's a work email address, here's a, a personal email address. How do you represent that in Zapier? Do you say there's one work email address and one personal email address, and these are standalone fields, or do you say email address one, two, three, and you can only have three of them? Um, Zapier technically has a way to have an arbitrary number, but apparently just doesn't work. And they literally emailed us, and we're like, "Don't you like we were using it?" And apparently they were just like, "Don't use that. That doesn't work well enough." So there's like these kind of design questions that as a non heavy like nobody at this company at lessening serum uses zapier heavily we don't really have good intuition on how to make those decisions i actually wanted to pick your brain a little bit on that like do you know what i'm talking about like as a user of zapier can you kind of do you get the decisions i'm talking about
1: yeah it's it's a it, it's it's a you got to think of it within the context of a simple ui but data doesn't work that way always cuz there's multiple orders um like of of data and I, yeah yeah that's interesting i haven't i don't know that i've come across that before with a CR, like a crm use case integration being an issue um
0: it's but, just worked and you've never really put any thought into how the fields were laid out or anything like that
1: yeah i don't think so um
0: like another version of this is in every crm you can create custom fields Yeah. Right. It's not like there's a fixed set of fields. So how do you map stuff in Zapier to a field that isn't like it's different for every account, you know?
1: Yep. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: So I, I was, I know you're super busy. I was like,
1: Flow does this well with Zapier. mm, Okay. Um, so that would be a good example. Well, I don't know that actually it does not do this well. I use... <laughs> so with, with Webflow, the way I use Zapier with Webflow is actually not through a Zapier sort of out-of-the-box integration. I use Zapier to call their API. Yeah. Okay. So I I think like what ends up happening is that people who really need to do sophisticated things, they go, okay, well, I can do this stuff out of the box with Zapier, but... I want to do something more complicated. Well, I need to like actually just call the API itself. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you use Zapier with uh, Pipedrive,
0: correct? Is Pipedrive your CRM? Yep. Okay. Um, and it just seemed fine to you. So if we just like looked at how Pipedrive did it and copy it, you feel like that that's fine? It works for me. Yeah. Okay. And to be clear, functionally it all works already. It's just a question of like, how do you label the fields? And I, I don't even, t- to be honest, like, I haven't been deep in this project because I do all the de- like a lot of the design work at Lessening Serum. But this isn't that type of design, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm not really like, I don't even know what the decisions that need to be made made are. But I'll just <laughs> suggest they go set it up in pipe drive and yeah, copy that, co-
1: copy <laughs> your competitors. That's the way to go. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. That's a, that, that that works. Um, the other. So there's two other kind of big things getting launched right now. Um, one is search speed. This is this has been a project in the works for over a year, um, which is making basically our search, uh, if, if you go into the CRM and like search for, let's say a f- contact by their name or something, it has been just doing a very basic database lookup, which works fine on accounts without much data. But we now have a 500 user account with like, many hundreds of thousands of contacts, and it just took a long time. So we built a more optimized search for them. That's been done for a long time. The problem is it came with a ton of drawbacks, like the actual search results were worse. And so as we started rolling it out to our other users, they all complained. Um, So we're about to roll it out to all of our users where we think we'll get massive speed improvements, which most of our users don't care about because it's it's fast enough for normal users uh, without having worse search results. Nice. Yeah. Our, our customers won't care about it, but it'll just, it'll free up a developer that's been working on it for like way longer than I meant for this to last. (laughs) Um, and then the final one, the new API is almost ready to launch. Um, and that is a public API. Yes. A public API. Hmm, Very cool. So I've been talking a lot on this podcast about the API, like partnering with integration partners and stuff, This the new API is a part of that, right? We want to make the API as appealing as possible to our partners where it's like our old one, you just couldn't do very many things and it wasn't designed well and stuff like that. This new one, you can do pretty much everything you want. We'll have webhooks soon. We'll have OAuths, just features we didn't have before, which is one of many steps towards building this kind of platform for other people to build on top of.
1: Well, uh, I recently discovered this... Um... This uh, service that does um, handwritten notes, but mm. like th- robotic. Yeah, um, I've seen
0: those. <laughs> yeah,
1: and that seems like a really cool integration. Where uh, first CRM, where if you wanted to send someone a note, you click a button um, and have that pop into the service like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've had, we've toyed with this before. That like email marketing, it, obviously a lot of CRMs do this, but physical, like you could even what, what you're saying, a middle ground is that, but without. Like you're talking about a machine with an actual ballpoint pen writing mm-hmm. a note. You could also just print it out and mail it, which is mm-hmm. like an intermediate step. Um, yeah, there are still a lot of small businesses that do snail mail. Do you think we should build that or do you mean we should reach out to that company?
1: I, I was just thinking like that would be an interesting like integration to have. Yeah, um, I would want to use that, for example, for leg up.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, now that I'm thinking about that, I, I hate integrations because like back and forth syncing is really hard. But I guess you don't have to back and forth sync. Like, they don't have to have your contact list. You just push to them. Here's 100 addresses with letter. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to think about that. Or here's one. Or here's one. Yeah, that's true. I'll bring that up. Um, Cool. Thank you. Anyway, so those three things, Zapier, Search Speed, and API2, are all pretty close to done. Uh, And yeah, it just feels like the products... It feels stagnant for a long time when you're working on these big projects and then all at once it just kind of feels like this rush of stuff.
1: So what's next? Point.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, I've mentioned before that the the thing we're going to start doing that we in the past, each developer had their own big project and they worked independently. Now we're putting, we're grouping people m- multiple people onto one or two projects instead of having five different things going on. One is this redesign we're working on. We already have, we currently have three developers on it. There's still a lot to do, but it's moving so much faster, and I'm really excited about that and then the other the other next thing for the backend developers is going to be the rest of this API platform so api the second the new API is a big part of it, but like we need to give people a way to like register their app with us and pull all that data into our app directory and like have a system for approving apps so that we don't list spam on our directory, stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm just super excited. These are both great growth products, which we, we haven't really done many much growth stuff like product led development in the past, so
1: I'm I'm pretty stoked. I, I, this is the stuff I've been waiting for. So I'm Yeah. <laughs> and are you seeing anything uh from like last episode you were talking a little bit about um how you rolled out your first wave of integrations? Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen any bumps um in in traffic or conversions?
0: Not from Not where we can see like those integrations are sending people to us. Um, I think customers seem happy. Like every newsletter, we send a newsletter out every other week to mostly current customers. It's not like a marketing list so much as a engagement with our current people list. And we've done five in a row, I think, where we've announced a new integration and customers are like, damn, like, all right, I can tell stuff's happening over there, even though we haven't built any of them. So that's good. Yeah. I don't I don't maybe today's not the day but I'll talk about growth stuff soon like the the TLDR is like growth kind of like I could tell an optimistic story about it right now um but I can't trace trace it back to these integrations now. Got it. Okay, cool. Um yeah, what's going on with you?
1: Well, um we're we're getting clo- like a harder number of forecasts. so we we've added many clients. Um I think we're hovering around 60, high 60s, 70s uh, at this point. Um uh We're forecasting 80 clients um conservatively uh to begin the year with, um, which is about twice where we were um last year at the time. Um, so you know, I'd be really happy with a hundred. Um uh eighty is kind of like good, Mm -hmm. but like it's good, like it's growth, right? Um, but it's man, it's like so slow. Um uh and so hard. Um, so that's like the positive is that like I think we have a a good thing, like and Um, it's, we're adding clients and it could, we haven't had this like huge, like, oh crap pop yet. Yeah. So there's still a potential in the last two weeks here, um, or in the next two weeks. December 15th is, is like when open enrollment ends. Uh, January 15th is when it ends, but December 15th is when you have to, is the deadline for January 1st coverage. Okay. Um, so there's kind of, it's kind of the soft deadline. Um, but you know, I think, uh, it'll be interesting to see where we end up, but, um, I think positives are we we're we're executing really well right now. Um and I think that uh you know positive is we can take a lot of what we're doing and just continue to do it. And I think we'll add more clients every month next year. Um and uh good a lot of momentum, a lot of good stuff. Um man, but like it's just one of those things where it's like, is it really gonna take ten years to get to, you know, uh right. to, to you know three years to get to four hundred clients,
0: and so yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask a question that you don't know the answer to, but you can like give a gut reaction. Like, I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably find themselves in this situation in the early stages. So, saying two x growth is great, but if you're two xing a small number, it's different. And mm-hmm. a big question is: Does this mean okay, you went from forty to eighty this year? Let's say, does that mean you go? To 120 the following year and then 160 and then 200 or like where you're adding 40 per year or does it mean you're doubling every year and very quickly that turns into a really interesting business
1: yeah I, and i don't know right and uh, i think my my gut with this business tells me that uh the first every, i think i've said this the whole time the first 100 are going to be the hardest uh, because this is going to be a very it's a consumer word of mouth like um, business. And I think like the every client gets easier, um, mm-hmm. uh, after this, but you know, that's a huge assumption. I, well, I are are you seeing a lot of word of mouth? Cause I know you were doing a lot of cold outreach
0: and stuff like that. Like, of the 40 clients you'll have added this year, where most do they come of, from? Mostly
1: word of mouth organic. Okay. Yeah. So that's
0: a great sign. Like, yeah, there's no reason to think word of, word of mouth is one of the only channels that scales with the size of your customer base. Yep. Okay.
1: The, uh, um, yeah. And so like, I guess um, I'll just jump into the next thing. Like, So at, 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 we've optimized the AdWords um, uh, campaigns uh, to focus on exact match, and they're performing much better. So feeling much feeling good about the spin there. Dropped the spin down to $50 a day and highly targeted Utah-focused keywords. So that's something we can continue in the year. Don't have great tracking around whether that's wh- which leads that's creating of the signups, um, primarily because a lot of these people um, are clicking into getting a quote um, versus um, creating counts So we don't associate them with a particular person. Um, How does the get
0: a quote work? Like I assume this is some third-party yeah, service you're it using.
1: To our, our third-party platform, which isn't on Google, doesn't have an integration for GA4. They have UA, but not ja 4 mm-hmm. So I don't really want to mess around with UA because it's going away. So anyway, there's just like a little bit of, of black box tracking there. But like, I, I feel good about the money we're spending there um, and the traffic that we're driving now uh, based on what I'm seeing. Um, and then, you know, so I'm starting to like, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, okay, like you know, I'm starting to, starting to like, I'm starting to think about 2023.
0: Sorry, before we jump into 2023, yeah. can yeah. I ask, because you're, you're talking about AdWords and tracking mm-hmm. it and stuff like that. Do you have a sense of what the buying journey is? Because we've talked before about in the context of lessening CRM, we've always thought about it like you pay for an ad, someone clicks the ad, some percentage of them sign up for a free trial, some percentage of them pay and you can calculate your ROI. But the reality is like, maybe they saw your ad, didn't click it, <laughs> and then Sign up later or maybe they clicked it, didn't sign up, but six months later they come back. Do you have a sense of are, are buying journeys really long or is this like I'm at the aisle about to check out at the you know the grocery store and I'm gonna buy a, a Hershey's bar?
1: Yeah, I don't know is the answer yet. Um, I, I we know that like the the, the advertising that we're doing is 100 uh, percent very t- bottom of funnel like people searching for Utah individual health insurance. Quotes. Um, right. So it's it's indicative of them it being in need. Um, now, uh, what we what we're finding is that a lot of people will come like f- fool around with a quote and then leave, um, and, and then leave their email address, um, and so we'll follow up with them that way. Um, but it's not like a, a it's usually not like a search and buy in the same journey. Um, okay. It's 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 it doesn't appear to be at least. Um, and if they do call or, you know, uh, get in touch with us, usually there's a, um, there's kind of like a, if, if, oh, I, I want to, I have questions now and I don't want to, I don't want to pick a plan today. Like I Mm -hmm. have questions and then it's like, oh, I, I picked my plan and then there's this other thing of like actually buying it. Um, and so it's kind of like, sometimes it happens in all in one fell swoop, but very rarely. Okay. So, uh,
0: you, you don't have the tracking anyway, but it kind of maybe doesn't matter because it's like how many there's this like leap of faith any marketer has to do. That's like someone saw my website and that will turn into a fraction of a customer one day. Um, you can't track that anyway. So who cares that this other service doesn't have the analytics
1: yeah, like the way I'm going to measure success like digitally, like from a marketing standpoint is like Utah traffic. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if I get, I know if I get Utah people to come to the website and like look around, like that's good. Um, and then I want to spend money, re- like, I want to spend money getting more Utah people to the site, which we've done. And I need to, I can re- I'll, I'll take as a next step to like run the numbers on that, but um, that's happening. And then I want to remarket to those people, um, yeah. And so like that, that that's fl- going now, um, and that's all accomplished in the last three days. So nice. like that's that's um all new um our our outreach is going well um the uh so like I wanted to talk about what's working, like so when yeah. I start thinking about twenty twenty three it's like okay what what what's working well, um what's really working is employer outreach, like employers respond to what we're doing, and they're very interested, but we don't have anything to sell them mm. um other than like hey, can we oh no, we don't have a product, we have a vision, but like they're like, oh, I love that vision. <laughs> like, well, how can you help me today? I'm like, well, we can help your employees enroll in individual health insurance. they're kind of like, oh. So um, what
0: what do they want? If if let's say you didn't have anything and you were like, hey, employer, guess what we offer that would make you happy? Yeah, like, there's there's two things.
1: There's two things. One is um I think like some sort of platform that like they could just add employees to and say, like, I'm offering something that is that it just like says, hey, this is a concierge service. Like yeah. basically just put some wrapping around what we're offering that isn't an Excel spreadsheet. Um and would let us like automatically email people. And then the second thing is like the paid version of that, which is I want to contribute money. Um yep. so it's the same. It's it's back to benefit. Contributing you know? money is through an HRA? Uh they don't care about that. They just they don't care about the tax benefits. They they don't care about the they do care about tax benefits, but but I would say like they just they want to be able to give people a a, a benefit amount um, mm-hmm. and not have to worry about compliance, um, and so making that happen for them. But I, I guess what I'm saying, from your point of view, like what's involved in you offering that? I mean, figuring out taxability and all that kind of stuff for on a case by case basis for the employer and the employee. But like, I, I would say like there's a there's two versions of this. One is like a a, a, a free a freemium version one's a benefits version but i would just build a benefits version honestly because that's that's what would make money um but but i guess like we, we know what w- what's working is that we, we are able to get employers to respond to us we are able to generate lead, employee leads out of that but we're we're not we, we're not it's it, it's like uh it, it's it we don't have like we don't have what most of the employers want which is like the vision of like, a benefits like
0: yeah. So uh, do you think that's yeah. the 2023 focus?
1: I don't know. Um, there's four things that like I that are working that we want to do in 2024, and the question is like, do we do them all? Mm. Like and like distribute budget across all these things? Do we try to do less? Um, that, that's the question. So one is SEO. Like there's tons of keywords that were like tw- tw- like top 40 in that are highly targeted that if we just like invested in content, we would bump up the rankings and we get more leads. Second is digital ads, like doing more there to get Utah visitors and then doing um, what I would call like programmatic, like for someone, once we identify someone, Oh, this is a person that's a lead who has their own individual policy, spending more to get them converted mm-hmm. to an a- an agent, like sending them a, a handwritten note is an example um, via direct mail. Like, oh, we saw you came to the website. We saw that you have an individual policy. You know, we have this bonus program that if you connect your policy, we'll give you 25 bucks, sign JD, you know, um, th- that's kind of thing. And then uh, partner networking. Uh, so doing more of that, that, that works. And then uh, the employer platform is the big, is the big like sort of thing that we don't have that would be like a, the first three things are working and we just need to do more of them. Yeah, uh, the fourth the employer platform is like zero, a zero to one thing. So that's what I'm thinking would, about because I can't really affect what JD's doing right now with the time I have. So I'm,
0: JD, like he's kind of the go to market person right now. He's he's talking to customers. He's he's doing. I mean, he's doing most of the work in general. But like, if if you were saying we're going to do this employer thing, that sounds like more product work. Yeah. Anything is, is that in his wheelhouse, or would you do that, or would you need to find someone else to do that? So it would be. I,
1: I, I've talked to some develop. It would be. It, it would be. Um, I think where I don't know, um, but like it would fall on me to be the product manager um, mm-hmm. at least initially, and uh, until uh, hopefully the person that we would bring on to to build would be able to serve. Like okay. as they got educated is that eventually. Um, the reason
0: I ask is it sounds like that doesn't really come at the expense of the other three.
1: It does because I'm also the marketer. Mm-hmm. Um and JD, JD's like the seller slash outreacher. Um, so um networking with partners he can absolutely do. He can contribute to content, but it's not necessarily the best use of his time. Um so like SEO digital ads and employer platform are kind of competitive from a resource gotcha. standpoint. Okay. Both from a budget like, you know, do we spend much? We could, you know, if you think about like building a, a platform, $50,000 ish for an MVP, let's just call it. I mean, we could spend that on ads. Yeah. That's right? fair. And so like oh, and then SEO, uh, you know, hiring content writers. It's another budget allocation. Um but my my guess is that we probably need to do all three. We probably need to do all four and just figure out how to do it. Yeah. is my is my bet and then the question is more around like how do we how do we distribute the 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 resources and the responsibilities in a way that um you know we can actually make it happen
0: priorities man yeah it sucks hard. it's hard yeah,
1: <laughs> it's hard um but yeah like i would say guys think things growing yeah it's cool. it and, and it definitely feels like um momentum's building like it just it just it's it's going
0: yeah it's it it, my take hearing this is like i'm sure you like i always fall for this where i paint like the rosiest picture in my head and then like you that never actually happens and it sounds like there was a story that open enrollment could have gone better than it did But also what what I find encouraging is that the way you're getting customers is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. If it was like we did all this outreach, we only got customers from outreach, (laughs) and this is as good as it gets, I'd kind of be like, well, you've hit a ceiling already. No. But if it's like, well, maybe the outreach didn't do what you wanted, but your customers are happy you're getting word of mouth, that that suggests like a long-term, very viable business. It's just like slower than you want. Yep. Yeah. That's a good summary. Um, all right, I guess back to me, um, I've, uh, I kind of go through the, I have this realization over and over, but product slash project management, I know they're not the same thing, but in this case, they're related. A, uh, I, I love doing that work. That's work. I really like doing and B it's important. And let me explain what I mean. Like I always, I think a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, you start out having to do stuff and not having to manage or be like in that kind of role. And there's this feeling of like worthlessness as you do management, as you move more into management, because it's like, this you know, is this really the most impact I could have or whatever? And I especially feel that way when it's like, I moved a bunch of cards around in a notion document for like (laughs) two straight days. Is this really the best use of my time? But I've actually, a, I, I did a lot of that this week. And I, I love the work. I just like, my, my brain enjoys thinking about dependencies and like what's going to happen next and all that. But B, I'm starting to get feedback from some of the developers because this is a relatively new thing. I don't know if you remember like a month ago, I said we redid this project management system. I built this whole thing in Notion that's fancy and cool. And I've gotten some feedback from some of the devs that's like, they're like, oh yeah, I know exactly what to work on next. We're breaking things into little chunks Uh, the deployment flow, they're just like, (laughs) they feel more productive. And so when I spent multiple days moving Notion cards around today, I, or or earlier this week, I really think it like moved the dev team towards finishing
1: features faster and it feels good. Totally. I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, you know, it's, it's actually a good point. I, I think, uh, I, you know, at windfall, that's a lot of my role. And I think I could do a better job of breaking, breaking things down, taking something and breaking it down into like smaller pieces that people can do is so powerful. Like, yeah. It's, and, and teeing it up and it takes a lot of energy and effort to do that.
0: Yeah. Like I, maybe that, that's the thing that was missing from my little rant just now. Yeah. yeah. It's, you'd like to think, oh, well we have all the designs for this project. We know who's working on it. What more is there to do? And it's like, there are, there are hours and hours and hours of stuff left to do if, if you choose to do it. Yep. Now, I think some people don't need it. Like like We've got five kind of six developers on the team, and at least one or two prefer to do this work themselves. They want to be like, give me the specs. I'll figure out how to approach it. But then the rest tends to be more like, I, I want to check stuff off a list. Give me the list. Um, and I think knowing who you're working with and like how much help they want is, is a big part of this. Do you, do you have, you
1: said you do this a lot in your role at windfalling? I I think I should do it more. I think sometimes like, sometimes like you, you face this card that I'm saying card, but like this project, (laughs) um, that like the time to break it down, like to break it down is, is hard. And then it's like, oh, I could just go do everything right now. And so I, I, I oftentimes face the situation where it's like super complex I'm just going to go do this. And it's like days yeah. of work, but like it could have been hours of breaking it down and letting someone else do the days of work. Um, and I, uh, I, I don't, I never, I struggle with like when to just go do it versus when to take the time to break it down. Hmm. Like in, um, in, in my current role, cause there's a lot of urgency um, around getting stuff done. That's interesting. So that's a little different for me because me going
0: and doing it is not really an option. I mean, it kind of is, but like So like the project I was mostly working on planning is this new API that we're putting out. It's not that I was like, I could go code it. It's like, I could say to the developer, Hey, figure out what functions we need. I don't, I don't really have a good sense of what's built and and then build them and let me know when it's ready and we'll launch it. And instead I went and said, I talked to various people and I looked a little in the code and I'm like, here are all the functions we have. Here are the functions we built, but we're not hundred percent sure they're ready to launch. Here are the ones we don't have. And I put together, like, we need exactly this done, and then we can start beta testing it. And then we need exactly this done, and we can roll it out. So it was actually me doing more work in the form of, like, I could have handed this off to the developer. But I think the benefit of me doing it is now the developer has a really clear list of, like, do this, do this, do this. And so when I, when I gave it to him in our meeting about this, like, later that day, he had checked three things off the list as opposed to like waiting around in uncertainty, trying to figure out what he needed to work on. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I just keep relearning this lesson. I'm saying it out loud. Cause I bet a lot of our listeners are like me in this.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's important work, man. Yeah. Moving um, cards around in notions, important stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh God, I love life changing. I tried linear. Have you, have you heard of linear? It's like the, the new hotness. Everyone's like, Oh, they're, d-. it's kind of what superhuman was for email, but it's for like, project management. Um, <laughs> I, I was not impressed. I don't know. Everyone loves it though. Uh, next up. Okay. Sorry. I'm I'm like rambling a lot today, but I'm going to do some more of it. Um, our CRM coaching team had a bit of a, what I'm calling a culture refresh. And I just thought I'd share this experience. And I don't know if y'all have like ideas or anything, but at the very least, I'll just share what happened. So basically in the early days of Lesswing CRM, we got a lot of emails and contact forms, like email-based support, Um, mostly because if you were in our app and you clicked the help button, it just popped up a contact form, as opposed to like a help site or a knowledge base or something. And so we just got, I mean, uh, uh, at our peak, we averaged 60 contact forms per day. Um, Since then, we made it when you click help, we show you like a search, like search our help docs, and it's still really easy to contact us, but that's not like the main call to action. And we're down to 20 per day, which, A, is awesome. That's great, yeah. That's not the point of the story, but that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, The point of the story is the CRM... So we started having some cracks in the CRM coaching team culture that we're trying to diagnose. And what I think we figured out it came down to is the CRM coaches who started before this change lived in a world where most of what they needed to do was just churn through emails all day. There were a lot to get through uh many of them were very easy because like now all the easy ones we don't get anymore we only get hard ones now which is kind of an interesting dynamic but like they were mostly easy but it was just about like you know open an email type a response hit send it was like really a grind the serum coaches who have started more recently are used to harder emails and fewer of them and the team's bigger so like they can get getting through it is not a problem but as a result they kind of like the older CRM, the more senior CRM coaches were used to sprinting and the more junior CRM coaches were used to jogging, I'll say. And in an environment where some people are sprinting and some people are jogging, the sprinters are doing a disproportionate amount of the work. And this crea- mm. it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's that there was this misalignment between the two worlds. Yep. Um, so first of all, I just thought it like... It was interesting when we came to that because we were like, "There's a problem here. What's going on?" And I think that more or less explains it, which I thought was interesting. How do you solve? Yeah, so I think you just have to standardize. Or, well, what, what do you what do you think? I mean, how would you approach this? I I have a conclusion to this, but I'm curious how you would have done
1: it. And you don't want to go to um, assigned accounts. You just you want it to be, uh, uh, yeah, like kind of round robin type thing
0: we debate on by assigned accounts you mean like okay this account is assigned to this crm coach if they write in that CRM coach has to answer mm-hmm. The problem with that is the customer is going to get a much slower response mm-hmm. because like what if the what if CRM coach is out of town what if they're on a call um whereas there's a different crm coach just sitting around waiting to answer an email most of the time getting a speedy response is better for the customer
1: yep I, I, I buy that it also is better for the business model in a lot of ways um I mean, I would probably, you know, uh, I don't know. I would probably, you know, just queue and, and track, uh, assigned tickets and try to, you know, make sure that the, the tickets are equitable, but then you end yeah. up in a situation where not all tickets are, are equal. And, and then you, um, you end up like getting circular conversations around that stuff. So yeah, how do you, I don't yeah. know how you do that.
0: So I I think that's what you just said is a good approach. Another problem aside from that, not all tickets are equal. Is like different people have different approaches. So like one of our CRM coaches is kind of like especially known for really long, in-depth emails, (laughs) which take a long time to write. But for a certain type of question, that's what you want. And other CRM coaches are better like churning out the easy stuff. And what I have learned in doing this kind of exploration recently. The serum coaching team during the sprinting days, they sort of like naturally figured this out, and they were like, "Oh, this is a good one for person A to handle. This is a good one for person B to handle." But if you looked at metrics, it would look like person B was doing way better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want like a super metrics-driven approach to this. So, uh, Michael, the head of customer service, used to be a baseball player, like fairly competitively in in high school and college. On base percentage. No. Did that, he come uh, up with on base percentage? Not that. No. He okay. had a different apparently the way you're taught in baseball, if you're playing in the outfield and like a pop fly goes up, so you're like running to catch a ball, mm-hmm. uh, you might be tempted to say, I'm gonna gauge when where the ball's gonna land and how long it's gonna take to land, and I'm gonna jog there so that I'm there when it lands and I'm gonna catch it. And apparently what you're taught is I you have to sprint to where you think the ball's gonna be and then wait for it. Now, there's like a baseball reason for this, which is like, if you're wrong, you have time to adjust. Forget the reason. The point is like sprint and wait as opposed to jogging. Um, So this was Michael's analogy for the approach we're going to take with everybody is just like everybody sprint all the time, but we'll clear things out way faster than we were before. And then there's plenty of time for not like literally resting, but like a much calmer work environment. So we've just decided as a team we are going to have these two modes as opposed to just i basically i think it's more equitable for everyone to be like let's get to inbox zero as quickly as we can rather than everyone kind of using their own best judgment about where the like how fast they have to run to get where the ball's
1: going to land how do you measure sprinting versus running
0: yeah we i mean we can't so, i don't think the problem before was that some some people were like abusing the system and not working hard enough i, I just think like expectations weren't set clearly. We didn't tell them to sprint and so they weren't sprinting. Um we've only been doing this for a couple of weeks and it's a, a weird couple of weeks cuz of Thanksgiving, but it seems like everyone's sprinting now and it's just fu- like we actually have a new problem which is Michael's like what do we do with all this free time we have now? <laughs> <laughs> so we're figuring that
1: out. Yeah, but that's great though. Like that's a reward.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I you know, I think uh, I need to talk to, I haven't like gotten get him, a, feedback from everyone, get him a
1: list and tell them to start cold calling, cold small calling. businesses uh, that use pipe drive. That's going to be great for morale.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah anyway, I just, I, I don't know what my lesson here is, but uh, I guess just like, even when cult like, I think the culture of the CRM coaching team is great and has been great and it's been a strength of the company for a long time, but just things need to get reset every once in a while. And sometimes even this seems like the hard ass approach being like, no, if there's an email in that inbox sprint, and I think it's actually going to make this a calmer work environment on average. So,
1: yeah, little
0: anecdote for you.
1: What's next on your list? Well, I I just, while uh, you, you, you'd asked me earlier, I pulled up some analytics and I, Mm -hmm. um, I I was flipping back and forth trying to find something while you're talking. And I just uh, noticed like three things happened on this call that validate the word of mouth thing for Leg a pelt one, I just got a ref- introduction to a referral from a client Two, um, a, uh, a review. We just got another five star review on Google, which nice. brings us to eight. Um, and then JD just created another referral opportunity. Um, so like That's those are awesome. three like signals that are like very positive. Um, to kind of support the word of mouth thing. Um, so it's like, it's happening. Um, word of mouth
0: is a slow way. I mean, that's, that's why our growth has been so slow, I think, Mm -hmm. but it, it compounding
1: man. Yeah. Compounding is good. And I think if we can throw in, I I just, I want to build this employer thing. I, I just know I've wanted to build it for five years and I just need to stop talking about it and build it. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to build it myself. I need to hire someone and I just need to, that's why I'm working my ass off. Yep. And uh I just need to stop uh, stop stop talking and and we're doing there. Um but hey, I wanted to switch subjects with you. I feel like we might have gotten like attacked by someone this weekend. So I'm like I had the flu. I'm I probably sounding out of the weather today a little bit, but like I was laying in bed on Monday, like curled up in a ball, and all of a sudden my phone starts buzzing. Cause every time a uh, someone signs up for a leg up health account, like it sends a Slack notification. And so it's like, Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z. and like, like tons of signups from like yeah, fake that, people. <laughs> and at first you're like,
0: awesome. We're, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then it's like, no, 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 this is bad. This is bad. So <laughs> it stopped. Thank God. Um, But like, it kind of scared me in that, like someone might could create a bot that like just creates fake signups Ugh. And I have no idea how to, how to like stop we've, that. We've dealt with this happens to us all the time. Yeah, and I was just like, it's I, maybe MemberStack did something to like combat it um, automatically for us because we use MemberStack. Um, but I, you know, it was weird. Like it stopped, and I, we haven't had any complaints about people not signing up. We just had another sign up like just now. Like so, okay. that, so like, it's that's not your sign up form is blocked. It's not that I sign up was blocked. So um, I don't know. Like, what do you do when someone starts, like, fake signing up for your service? How do you, with uh, no code, like, yeah, with low no code, code how do you block this?
0: What? So, I, I mean, I guess, let me start with, why is it a problem that you're getting fake signups?
1: I, it messes with my workflows more so than it does, in like, there's zero, very little cost, uh, zero cost. It's just like, it messes up our reporting and it messes up our workflows. Yeah. And it's obnoxious. Um,
0: and maybe if it's high enough volume, you also, I assume, send automated emails to these people. It has... Oh, you don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we do. One concern I have is, you know, at, at low volume, it doesn't matter. But if like, if we got a million in one day, that could mess up our... Like, like, like the, they're signing up with email addresses that belong to somebody else. And yeah. that person might get an email from us and mark it as spam. Um, yeah. So first of all, we have a way to flag any sign up as like, we call it is demo. That's not a good term for it, but if we check is demo, remove them from all reports. I would. Uh, so recommend- you basically
1: have a, a a manual override that someone can hit that basically make sure you don't do anything with them. Yeah, uh, but you still have them in the system
0: because de- deleting data is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't recommend deleting stuff from a database. I mean, it depends. If you again, if you get a million, like yeah, probably delete them. But um, we're archiving nice- them. Yeah, but it's uh, I like being able to ignore. Still it's annoying. Do you have to go in manually and do that and all that? Mm-hmm. I so what's member Member Stack has some sort of like do you do you know if there's like a Google CAPTCHA on the sign up form or there's anything? There's probably like something that?
1: we could put a CAPTCHA on there, but I you know hate that. Like
0: so so okay, first of all, Google has a new version of CAPTCHA that doesn't for the vast majority of cases, nothing shows up at all. That you don't have to check a box or anything. Mm-hmm. What we do is so you probably don't know the answer to this, but
1: are these all coming from the same IP address? I it, I, th- I I I can't tell. I, yeah, because I don't have that access to that data through the member stack. Because it's a Zapier member, it's a member stack to Zapier sort of push. Um, that's a, a member stack to to Zapier to Slack notification. So I, I'm not getting IP.
0: But could you go into all. member stack and see it? Maybe. So what we do is if uh, if we get more than one sign up in a week from uh the same IP address. Then we show like the hardcore Google CAPTCHA.
1: Um so it's like if some, to if that does, IP to that IP. Yeah. So you make it dynamic based on the IP address. Which
0: like again, how do you do that with no code? I maybe you can't. Yeah.
1: Um
0: you could is this embedded in your like member stack embedded in Webflow or is it a standalone member stack page?
1: It's embedded into Webflow custom okay. form.
0: Uh I ask because Cloudflare does have a number of tools that can help with this, but you can't have Cloudflare in front of Webflow, I don't think. Oh shoot! One one of them, I forget which one doesn't like it, but one of them doesn't like it. Um, but you could you could solve this with Cloudflare, I think. I don't know. Does Memberstack let you say like what we see is they're all from the same domain most of the time? Like I just got the domain. That was how
1: I know it was the same guy, same domain what
0: or like mailinator mailinator oh oh well that's okay you can't really block that though because like legit people might use that okay we got a ton from goofum.com and write.edu like hundreds of these in the last week from but so now i i just go in and like i'm manually removing them all because it just stopped but if 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 it hadn't just stopped i would code i would write code to be like block all signups from these domains hmm Anyway, none of this is helpful because you're on no code. That's a really interesting question.
1: I'm sure member stack apps a capture that I could probably implement, but it's one to it's not one to it's one to many. It's not like oh, if mm-hmm. you know if someone's do, abusing, then throw it. Yeah,
0: maybe look into that though. There, I think there's a version of a capture that won't show up for almost anyone. It might not block the signups you're getting, but if you know it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt the experience of the legit users. Mm, okay. I'll look it's into that. Like cap- Recapture version three or something like that, I think. Anyway, sorry. Don't, yeah. It's, it, this is the type of thing, though, when you're starting a business, you never think, oh, someone's going to sign up for hundreds of accounts.
1: Why? Why are they doing it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like super annoying. Um, yeah. And then I guess the only other update I have, and then we can talk about AI stuff, is... I have not written a newsletter in November, and it like it doesn't feel good. Like I, that's a really important exercise that I do weekly, and I' gonna do it. I'm gonna get back to it this week. So, um, every time I take a break from it, I regret taking a break from it. Yeah. So I'm gonna do better. Do better, Rick. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to talk about AI stuff?
0: Yeah. So I, I'm sure everyone has seen, you know, all these different. AI advances and specifically I'm talking about generating text and images based on prompts like when you you know a, 2 years ago if you said AI people would be like oh it's a computer solving whatever arbitrary problem and now like what what I mean is you give it a prompt like a picture of a woman in a straw hat renaissance style and it makes a picture of it right or a blog post about XYZ and it makes the blog post. That's what I'm talking about. Like you've seen all these advances, right? Mm -hmm. This is a very open ended question,
1: but what do you think? I don't know yet. Um, Listen, I, I feel like, I don't know. I haven't seen any written content. That's like at the quality level um, that I would say is, is, is very useful uh, to me. Um, have you on yes. these? Okay, so you've well, well, seen
0: that. What I've seen is, um, I think you can mostly tell it's not written by a person. But so we ex- like the, the model that I find really interesting is you want to write a blog post, it writes the first draft for you, and then you go and edit it. And instead of it taking two hours, it takes ten minutes. And how uh, good is that content? Like so, we. I was shocked. I didn't do it. Unis Unis did this experiment. She used yeah. open AI or whatever, or no copy.ai. AI. Um, and it was like how to you know six tips for improving your sales was like the prompt or something, and it wrote a whole blog post and like a lot of the like they all a they all made sense they all seemed like good tips be <laughs> like we didn't know some like I learned something from this post.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, okay, uh, that cha- I hadn't seen that before. Um, well, and these the, the images
0: are incredible. The Im-
1: images so the images I was gonna I was gonna say is different. Um, the images are amazing. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah, it's cool. Um, I, yeah. I don't know what, like, what do you use it for to make money? Like, so, so how yeah, do you make money with this stuff?
0: There's three conversations I want to have here. Yeah. One, is this the next big thing? Is this, is is the hype real?
1: What does Two, it enable?
0: So let's talk about that in a second. Let me just outline this. Two, okay. uh, how can, can SaaS companies start using this, if at all? And then three, should we be terrified of this? <laughs> Those are the things on my mind. So let's start. OK, what does it enable? The the image stuff, there's some, there's some, I'm not saying it's like revolutionary life changing yet, but let me give some examples. Uh, you write a blog post, you want artwork for it. You don't want to use a stock photo. You can just like make whatever artwork you want and use it on your blog post. It's not like going to revolutionize the world, but that's nice. Um, video game characters instead of, a, well, video games in general, like I think AI could potentially generate worlds uh, that a, would make this, developing these games a lot easier. And B, you know how in Zelda you hit the end of the map. And it, it never ends. Like, yeah. Like, that'd be pretty cool. There's already, yeah. I think, uh, what's that game? There's a game in outer space where you are a spaceship that already works that way. But, like, it could be that on steroids. Yep. These are kind of toy applications right now. But let me compare this to Crypto where for 13 years like, this is the next big thing you can uh,
1: you can I can't help you can't myself help it. yeah uh.
0: <laughs> no but but one of the, everybody's been hyping up crypto like it's the next big thing and the whole time we've been saying give me one fucking application and you can't but this is actually much earlier than crypto and there are some applications like some real ones and they're fucking cool they're really neat even if they're not super useful yet actual neat stuff is happening okay So part of me is like, if if you're going to get caught up in a hype cycle, I'm like way more bullish on AI. But what do you
1: get caught up? Like, what do you go like? I'm going to go ask the same question I asked, which is like, how do you make money? Like, how, why? Like, yeah. Okay. So uh, are people going to pay to have images automatically created for them? Or is that going to be free? Like Google is for free. Like, Yes. There
0: have been a few of these already. I don't know if you've seen these, like um, Peter Levels made one that like you take a picture of. A room in your house and it will like put furniture in it in different styles and be like, here's what postmodern might look like or whatever. <laughs> and he made like about th- tens of thousands of dollars selling this. Um, and there's one that'll generate a fake av- like you, but as if you were painted for- to be your avatar. Have you seen these types of things? Mm-hmm. Again, they're toys right now. Yeah. But like people have made money.
1: What I'm saying is like what skill do you like invest mm. in yeah um to be in a position to make money later is it um how to speak to the AI machine to have it create things is it understanding yeah. the underlying like math um or is it like what what layer are you like is it is it understanding application um
0: yeah, two thoughts on that. A lot of people were saying it's, I, I think prompt generation is the terminology for like giving it the command. A lot of people were like, that's what the work's going to be. And basically in like two months, that's already become obsolete. Basically, no. they're like, I, I don't, that doesn't seem like a defensible skill to me. And like at a certain point, the AI is going to generate the prompt for the AI. Um, I've heard a lot of concern about the fact that a small number of companies, like these are all just APIs you can call. So like I said, Peter Levels built this. He didn't build the AI. He Called an AI, passed it the right prompt and some images, and it and the model and it passed back the result, and then immediately got cloned by fifty other people. And there's no moat at all. Like you can't build a business around these little toy ideas because you don't actually control the algorithm at all right now. So, absolutely fair. I have no. I, this is what I wanted to brainstorm with you. I bet ten years from now, I, I would put good money that there are going to be some big businesses made possible because of this. I don't know what they will be. (laughs) If we just wait, it'll happen. Like if someone wanted to get in on this wave, yeah. What do they do right now? I mean, do you have any ideas?
1: I mean, I I think there's, there's something interesting, um, in emotional support, uh, Mm. therapy type stuff. And I think there's probably already people playing in this, but, but, um, uh, I don't, I, I think someone told me that in, somewhere in Asia or in Eastern Europe or somewhere, uh, there people like have fake pets, like te- technology yeah, yeah. pets. Um, and so I think there's something interesting there. Um, uh, uh so let me, teaching is, I think like you're, you you mentioned that you, um, learned something, uh, from your, your six tips for sales. Yeah. Um, that, that's interesting, like the, the teaching component. So the
0: problem both of these have, I think, is like the, uh, still the, you can call this API, but if, if you're not running the core, I don't even know how the technology works, but like the core engine or whatever. What do you, how do you monetize? How do you monetize? Well, and yeah, how do you prevent a ton of competition? Also, and like the third question I asked at the beginning here was like, should, should we be scared? terrified of this? Yeah. Interesting thought on the teaching thing. Right now, everyone's like, oh, you can use these AI like Dolly or whatever to make text or wait, Dolly, GPT-3, whatever the text one is to make like blog posts, like I said, we did. And then I, I saw a take that I thought was really interesting. And so everyone's like, this is going to be make, be great for SEO and content marketing. And then someone was like, no one, if, if this actually gets that good, no one's going to Google anything anymore. Why would you Google something when you could have something create the article for you on the spot? You don't need Google to point you at the article, just generate the article and read it
1: yeah that, that um, that's that's exactly right like when um if you think about like what is the most useful education tool uh, available to us right now well that is Google that is the internet mm-hmm. um and it's you know relative to like being able to prompt something to tell you exactly what you need to know like that's way less efficient <laughs>
0: it's it's possible content yeah.
1: marketing just gets completely destroyed by this what what does AI, like what is the input for like the ai in this case like how do you understand the mechanics i mean at a very high level i do like it's is, it's it, using, is it leveraging code. the internet is it trained on the internet
0: yeah yeah so, so all of these models are going to or all of these algorithms whatever the term is are trained on some sort of data so like a, a github copilot which helps you write code mm-hmm. scans all of the code in github and uses that to suggest what your code should look like These image generation ones, I think, take in a lot of artwork, like deviant art places like that, and train based on that. And yeah, I'm pretty sure the written ones are just like ingesting books, uh, blog posts. I I think they're they're training on any number of things.
1: Very interesting.
0: Um, So that's a potential scary thing. Like a lot of jobs are going to get destroyed. I bet. Now, part of me is like, is you know, every generation's worried about the next round of disruption. Um, People were worried about. Automobiles, people were worried about cars, people were worried about the internet because like it's destructive to a lot of old industries. This I I believe the hype. I think this will be destructive. Well normally what happens is it also creates a ton of new opportunity. The people who get in on that opportunity are the ones who benefit from it, and other people get left behind. I really I really don't want to
1: get left behind here, you know. What platform is this gonna be exist on? Is it is the internet the platform for this? So is it is it through our browsers that we're going to? Is well, that-
0: yeah. So right now the way it works is people build apps that call this API. Yeah. the The thing I've seen that I believe makes sense is, I we said earlier, like what moat can you build? It has to be more than just give me a prompt and I'll return some content to you. There's nothing defensible about that. How can you build that into another product? Or so you said the animal friends thing. If you built a robot and just the language part of it was AI. You'd have a moat because it's like, well, building a robot is hard too. Mm-hmm. Is, so, sorry, I'm, I'm talking too much here, but let me ask this. Let's, let's talk for a second. I, I put some thoughts together. I'm going to do this in an internal group brainstorming session at work. What can a B2B SaaS company
1: consider doing with AI stuff? I mean blog post is the you know yeah. the blog and image example that you gave. Do you have yeah. others? Like I mean,
0: well, well I'm thinking more like product. Response- oh, product. How can we sell AI to people?
1: I don't think I have good ideas, but I have some you, did, you did you bring some ideas? Let's um, hear them.
0: Yeah. So one is like, could you? And I I should I haven't looked into the technical side of this. I don't have a good sense of what is and isn't possible. But like, could you use this to? like chatbots were a big thing back in the day, but the thing is, the thing powering the chatbots was weak. Could you get let people perform powerful bulk actions in a SaaS tool based on language inputs that isn't possible with the UI? So basically you map the AI to... Fundamental like SQL commands, basically, and then someone could say, uh, "Find all of the leads I haven't talked to in the last month. Uh, if they're in Georgia, send them this email. If they're in, uh, but if they're in Atlanta, don't send them that email. Send them this other email." Or, you know, could could you make uh, powerful actions like that accessible to people who only can describe it with language? Sorry, I'm going to cough. <laughs> um, I don't actually like that idea, personally. Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean. I can't think of anything. Uh, one thing we were toying with. So on the topic of, I shouldn't say we were toying with, I was toying. Uh, I was toying with, I said like, you need to build like, like this is too easy to become a commodity. Um, if you're like, there are services out there that are saying, uh, are you okay by the way? That's I'm working on it. Sorry. <laughs> um, Their service, like one of these AI tools, actually multiple of them are like, we'll generate a logo for a business. So it ingests all these logos, I guess. And then you say, I want, you know, I want it to be fun, green, and here's my company name. And it'll like generate logos for you. That's going to be commoditized immediately. But I am wondering like, well, we have a lot of small business customers using us. What if we were like, with Less Knowing CRM, we'll help you, you know, get your whole brand set up beyond just the AI part of this. Where like the the moat is, we are a CRM for you, but like we could just offer like add-on services where the, the service by itself could be available from a third party for free or very cheap, but like I don't know, bundling it all together somehow.
1: Yeah, uh, the, I like the the theme of like uh, having this enable a, a service. Yeah, uh, you know, the, a larger service um, that you're that you're providing, and you could do it more efficiently and cut your costs right. or so that it being like the core offering itself.
0: Yeah. There's been this movement. I think we talked about this in one episode. Like the classic move is you start as pure service and then you go to productized service and then full on product. There's been a movement the other direction. Mm -hmm. So um, Riley from Hostify is an example of this where it started with a SaaS product and then added a services layer on as like a kind of high margin add-on thing. This could just make those services a lot more cost effective um, for sure. Uh, I could have sworn I had more ideas written down here and I don't.
1: I'm sure like someone's thought more about this. I, I haven't really spent much time thinking about it. I'm like, Oh, that looks cool. It's interesting. Um, yeah, maybe I should spend time on that, but i probably won't.
0: <laughs> I guess I'll just say that like, okay,
1: I'm going to give a clickbait title to this podcast episode, how SaaS
0: companies can use AI and we don't have any answers at all. But <laughs> I guess I'm going to say this. Um, I probably seem like a huge curmudgeon based on how i reacted to crypto and other changes. generally i'm a hater when stuff comes up i'm like no screw that that seems stupid and it might seem like i don't like change if if i had to bet on a good thing to like like we asked a question a year or two ago if you were if you're talking to a young person who wants to get in on a new frontier what would you get in on i bet this is it i bet this is the next one and i think that there will be a lot of big winners I don't, as our discussion just showed, neither of us know what that means, what that looks like at all. Um, but I, I think it'd be you'd be stupid not to keep an eye on it,
1: at least. Oh, I, I agreed. I'm looking at uh, beta.openai, and they've got some good examples on their website Yeah, um, that are worth looking at. Marv, well, the sarcastic chatbot. Yeah,
0: yeah. They just today put out a new, better chatbot thing, apparently. Wow. Well, um, so... Well, it sounds like your voice is about to go, so uh should we should we call it here? Let's call it. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um well hope you feel better next week. Uh, if you would like to review past shows and I don't I don't know the show don't know college, <laughs> visit see you next week. Uh, I tried to cover it for you, yeah. all right, talk to you later.